Hey gang, Rickley James here. I just wanted to remind you as we begin today's podcast that my new live album and DVD, Basement Psalms Live, is available at rickleyjames.com. You can also get it for a limited time as a digital download at getmopix.com. That's G-E-T-M-O-P-I-X.com. Only $5.99 for the full, uncut, digital concert. You can watch it right on your mobile device from getmopix.com. Make sure to stop by rickleyjames.com for more information on everything pertaining to my ministry, my music, what's going on in my life. Thanks for listening to Voices in My Head podcast, the official podcast of Rick Lee James. Live from Springfield, Ohio, it's Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick Welcome back to Voices in My Head, episode number 74. As always, I am your host, Rick Lee James, and I'm really happy to be bringing this episode to you this week. As most of you know, Man of Steel, the new Superman movie, came out this past weekend. I saw it not once, but twice, because I am a very lucky guy, I guess. My wife went with me the first time, the second time went with a friend from church on Sunday, on Father's Day. What a wonderful Father's Day gift it was. Uh, You're going to think that Ben DeBono, my guest for the last two weeks, is going to be a permanent co-host or something. That's actually not the fact, but I'm very glad that Ben is going to be on this episode, as well as Matt Anderson his co-host on the Sci-Fi Christian Podcast. Uh, This is going to be another two-parter. We're going to be talking about The Man of Steel. We're going to be talking about Superman. Uh, They brought me on their show, the Sci-Fi Christian Podcast, this week. And we recorded this show for one of their podcasts, but I decided to use it as mine as well. So uh, this is a Voices in My Head slash Sci-Fi Christian Podcast shared episode uh, this week. Uh, it's, It's a long one. We talked for about two hours, so I'm breaking it up in two, but I was uh, brought on to be their Superman expert to talk intelligently, hopefully, about the Man of Steel, not only in this movie, uh, but we spent about the first, I think, hour of the uh, the interview talking kind of about Superman's history, where he came from, um, so I was very honored to do that. It was one of my favorite podcasts ever. I think I could go on and on about Superman um, more than I even did in this show. He's just one of my favorite characters. And I think I'm winning a few converts with that. But uh, anyway, enjoy today's show. Sorry, no question of the week this week. We'll try to make that up later. But here's part one of the Superman Symposium. Episode 166, The Superman Symposium. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Christian, bringing you theology at warp speed. I'm Matt Anderson. And I am Ben DeBono, and we are back. Back. And since the beginning, people have been saying, stop talking bad about Superman. Give him a fair shake. And so today we're going to talk about Superman, but we have brought in a Superman expert, none other than the host of the Voices in My Head podcast, Rick Lee James. Yay! 
to this. I do wish I had some sort of clap sound effect. <laughs> that was that. that was good enough. It, with you know, with only two people to clap, that sounded pretty good. So let okay. the record stand that Matt Anderson did not clap. Sorry, I, I was looking for some sort of. I checked my soundboard to see if I had a clapping sound clip and. I, I just couldn't find one, unfortunately. Well, we used to back when we did the life report because we did it for the year-end jubilee, but not since then. So Interesting, interesting. 50% participation is pretty good with clapping. That's all right. Uh, I'd say so. That's right, yeah. So, so. Rick, what makes you a Superman expert? Convince our audience that you should be here. All right. Uh, well, first of all, you just called me one, so and, and I, I don't think you're a liar, so that's the main thing. If somebody right. wants to trust Matt Anderson, then they have to believe it. Um, I, I don't know. I, I like being called a Superman expert. I don't know that I am an expert in the sense of like Mark Wade, who has written him, you know, several times over and is like an actual like Superman DC Comics historian or whatever. But I have just read a, a ton of Superman comics. I've I've uh, I've got like three thousand comics in my basement. They aren't all Superman, but I would guess probably about a quarter of them at least feature him. Uh, everything from uh, I've read, you know, the original issues of Action Comics. I've read, I'm, I'm still currently reading, I have been for several years, uh, several of Superman's titles and seen him in different things. I've, I've even seen every episode of the original movie serials of Superman, the really terrible ones that when he flies, it turns into a cartoon. Um, I've seen tons of documentaries. I, I don't know why it's, I, I'm awesome, actually. It, it's, it's very interesting. I got him on DVD for Christmas one year. Um, I, I think it's what's the actor's name? Kirk Allen, I believe, is his name. Um, it, very, very flat actor. I mean, just kind of almost bores you to tears when he's Clark Kent. Uh, but he turns into Superman, and when he takes off flying, um, they animate it. And uh, to this day, people who are elderly that are still around that remember seeing it as it was one of the last serials that they ever made and put out in movie theaters, and uh, they still. Some of them can talk about how they're still disappointed to this day they didn't actually get to see Superman fly. They had to see it in animation, but it, it's pretty cool for the day. So It sounds almost Monty Python-esque. Yeah. <laughs> or an animated segment there in the midst of live action. Sort of, except not funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, would be, that would be a crucial difference. How did you first get into Superman as a character? I, you know, probably I was trying to think about that the other day, and I probably got into him through the Super Friends cartoon initially. Uh, when I was a child, um, I don't know if they were Christmas gifts or birthday gifts or whatever. I also um, had those Power Records uh, Superman stories. They were basically reprints from the 70s and 80s of the comic books. And they would come in these huge record book forms. And uh, you could listen to the record and turn the page along. And I, I think that was kind of a help in my learning to read, actually. It was kind of like following along with these books. Um, and, and I had, you know, different ones. I had uh, some Superman ones and they had some Batman ones. And I don't have the original ones anymore, but through flea markets and stuff, I found different ones. Um, you know, from that era, I found Superman, Batman, Star Trek, different ones, uh, and, and Spider-Man, different ones like that. And it's fun. So I'm, even today I was, uh, playing some of those, uh, for my son, who's only five months old. Uh, but he, he likes to look at the pictures and stuff. And, uh, the, the sound effects are pretty cool. They're all, uh, it's kind of like, uh, audio theater stuff. So it's, it's, so probably that was my, my first was just Super Friends and then some of those records and things was when I was a little kid. Nice. So. Well, I mean, you convinced me. <laughs> I, I think we need to hear some of those records. 
Oh, <laughs> I, and I think we need to do some of those records. So, yeah, we should. Yes, we need to act out comic books and uh, put them out there for our listeners. I also know, and if this doesn't convince you know anyone, I don't know what will. I know how to actually pronounce the character that on the Super Friends they always mispronounced, Mixelplick. It's actually Mixes Pitalik. So that's one Whoa. of the Superman villains from another dimension. Sort of a semi-villain, I guess. He's a pretty silly character. but Played by Howie Mandel in Lois and Clark, The Adventures of Superman. Somebody has Wikipedia open. Problem. <laughs> no, I know that. I actually knew that fact. And see, I didn't even know that. So oh, I, I Lois and Clark, I just found um, – I, I actually have one season of that on DVD, and I, I can't – I remember liking it at the time, but I started watching it and I couldn't get through it. It was just so bad. I I only made it a couple episodes and just decided uh, that even even for the campy value of watching something, I didn't quite enjoy that as much. <laughs> so, you know, so when it comes to first experiences with Superman, I've I've yeah definitely watched Super Friends like you did. Um, I watched a lot of Lois and Clark growing up. <laughs> I also explained a lot. Around that same time, there was also a Superboy TV show. Did you ever see that? It wasn't Lois and Clark, because yeah. you guys are both older than me. Yeah. So I didn't really watch it ever. Yeah. Uh, wasn't that like a soap opera type thing? I mean, no, it was. It, it was. It, it focused on their relationship, but he also was Superman in this. It wasn't. Yeah, uh, it was it was initially created to be sort of a women a woman Superman you know kind of from her perspective and Lois was supposed to be kind of the main character and I think initially Superman was supposed to sort of be an afterthought um, but I I do remember that Superboy show as well and you want to talk about awful I mean I mean just one of the worst things to ever be on television I think yeah uh, so yeah I. <laughs> I I think probably of the three that that I just named the, the cartoon, Lois and Clark, Superboy. I think I watched the most of Lois and Clark by far. Like I think I met through at least three or more seasons seasons of that, and never I didn't watch any of the Superman movies until just recently. In the last couple of weeks is when I first saw all four of those movies. I thought you'd seen the first one. Before. Well, I mean. I knew parts of it. I'm sure I'd seen it, but I didn't actually have a good memory of it. Yeah. So I just knew I had seen it when I was younger. But Ben, what was your first experience? Oh, probably. I remember my dad used to read us comic books and stuff, and I think we had one comic book that was kind of a Batman, Superman team up type thing. Um, but it's interesting because I, I mentioned that you know being a little bit younger than you guys, uh, I missed Lois and Clark when it was on the air. I was aware of it, though I was very confused because I was in grade school at the time, and I can remember learning about Lewis and Clark yes. and then being very confused when I would see ads for Lois and Clark on TV <laughs> and somehow this whole you know, great Western expedition involves Superman, and that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, but I... I guess I kind of probably came on the scene too late for any of the movies mm -hmm. or for any of that uh, or for Lois and Clark or Superboy or anything like that. In fact, I wasn't even aware there was a Superboy live show. action. TV wow. Show. Yeah. So I missed all of that. Yeah. So really just the comic and then. And, and um, I would I guess I would have to say, too, that I remember watching the Superman movies on TV like at my grandma's house. Uh, back in the day, you know, I'm, I'm a part of the Nazarene church and, and old school Nazarenes, we were not allowed to go to movie theaters. So, uh, I think the first Superman movie came out when I was like maybe one years old. Uh, but I remember watching them in syndication. I never got to go to the theater to see one, but I, I saw all four 
And as a kid, I loved them, and I recently rewatched them before the Man of Steel uh, movie that came out. There's a couple I really like, and a couple that I that are just pretty comical to watch because they're so bad. But, uh, but yeah, that's another of my first experiences. Uh, I, I want to come back to what Ben was talking about with the Superman Batman comics, but real quick, Rick, I'm just curious: were uh, were one and two the ones you liked, and three and four the ones you didn't like? Yes, I, I like a couple places in three, but um, yeah, one one and two I, I think are are the more watchable ones. Yeah, <laughs> um, that, that and, and, discussion about that though. I yeah. have, one is not as bad as I used to think. So yeah. one is a little bit won me over, not as a movie that I want to watch. Like I'm, I had it on DVD. I'm I'm about to give it away, so I don't want to own it. Uh, so I'm not interested in watching it again soon. But I don't want to give it. Or I don't want to take away credit from it that maybe it deserves. But yeah. two, I didn't love. Three, I actually thought was kind of funny. So uh, Richard Ooh. Richard Pryor wasn't that bad at it. He was kind of good. Uh, yeah. Four, though, actually made me mad at some parts just because it, it was so bad. Make no mistake, there's there's none of them that are perfect movies, that's for sure. Um, and there's there's parts of them that I just fast forward through in the first one too because I I really find part of that to be pretty bad you know, i i think the first one especially is funny with marlon brando and they paid him just an astronomical amount of money to be there on set for like three days and he couldn't even be troubled to say krypton correctly he just he keeps saying krypton you know oh. <laughs> it's just really funny and 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 you know he he would like play jokes on the set I, I forget exactly what the joke was but he wanted to dress up like a donut or something and like you know he was and, and he had a way of you know, making people think he wasn't joking. He was just a really eccentric actor. And it was so funny. That was like the selling point of that movie was they had Marlon Brando. And, and he got the top billing of the movie, even though he was in it for just a few minutes, you know, uh, yeah. which, yeah, it, it was a whole different way of making movies back then, for sure. But, but. I, 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 I've seen that one, I think, just once. Uh, in fact, I haven't seen two, three or four at all. Um and I, I think it's a really good movie until Clark gets to Metropolis, and then it kind of falls apart. You know, the whole, I don't know what parts you like to fast forward through, but I, I remember uh, when I watched it, the whole scene where Lois and Superman are flying, and she's doing this, can you read my mind? That's, that's yeah. terrible. And and a little, little, watch. little known fact about that, too, is Margot Kidder was supposed to sing that. Um, those Those words that she's saying as they're flying along... I mean, the music that's playing in the background was supposed to be her, you know, can you read my mind? You know, it was just, <laughs> but, but with her like voice that was, you know, cigarette raspy and, and alcohol drink, <laughs> she, if you can just imagine her, she would have been like croaking it out, you know, can you read my mind? <laughs> Are we going to hear a Rick Lee James cover of that? Uh, I, you should. Rick, you should do that. <laughs> I, I, I seriously doubt it. <laughs> Just throw Jesus in there at the end. You can make a great Christian song out of it. Can you read my mind, Jesus? Jesus. <laughs> All right. I, I know we're not going to talk about Batman very much in this episode. I don't think we've told the listeners quite yet because uh, we haven't really went to the main topic. We've done yeah. a big intro, but... Here's what today's going to look like. We're going to talk a lot about Superman in general. Should we let Rick plug his podcast and his music and oh, stuff yeah, in a second? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, just one second. So Superman in general at the beginning. Then towards the end, we'll go into the Man of Steel review where we can kind of talk about all the past things we've mentioned with Superman and full spoilers. So you can okay. stick with us all the way spoiler-free until towards the end. So uh, 
update, I did look for the clapping sound clip, and turns out I don't have one anymore. So um, I'll try to see what I can come up with while Rick, while you plug what you currently do. I, I really don't need that kind of affirmation. It's okay, you don't. Have to, you know, <laughs> but clap. needs it for me because I, I do need that affirmation. <laughs> so all right. Well, for those of you that don't know, and and I'm going to be playing this on my podcast as well this week. So you're also listening to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick Lee James, and uh, it's just a place where um, I, I bring on. Uh, guests almost every week uh, to talk about things that are in my head. And by that, I mean uh, not that I have actual voices in my head, like I have some sort of mental disorder, but um, that I actually find people that I find interesting. So because I am a musician and uh, do that for a good bit of my living, I, I have a lot of artists on. I've had uh, a lot of Christian artists. I've had people that have worked with uh, like in the industry, songwriters, um, publishers, um, people who are um, just very much of interest to me. But I also just recently had the movie director of the new Rich Mullins film uh, on my show. Um, I have theologians on. Um, I've had you guys on, actually, on the show. And uh, we're, we're up to, uh, I think, like in the high 70s of episodes right now. So uh, if, if you haven't had a chance and want to listen to Voices in My Head, please feel free and uh, you'll... Go to rickleyjames.com and you can find my albums. Uh, and uh, I also have a new book coming out. <laughs> we found it. Found the clip. We can I found it. that clip for you. So, so, uh, okay, yeah, so go ahead. Now I'm ready. So whenever you say something good, get, get ready. <laughs> All right. And I was just going to close that by saying I have a new live album called Basement Psalms Live. Uh, it's all made up of songs that I've written from the Book of Psalms and a companion book uh, called Out of the Depths, A Songwriter's Journey Through the Psalms. Uh, should be uh, published by the end of summer, um, yes. God willing. So I'm hearing you talk about this. This is yeah. really exciting. Yeah. So one more time, everybody, put your hands together for Rick Lee James. All right. Well, thank you for that, Rick. Thank you. Thank you. Um, all right. So I guess there's nowhere to go but straight into the main topic. Superman. Ben, you haven't been kind to Superman on this show. I haven't, uh, no. You've been a little bit negative. I feel like, though, you're going to come here and, and kind of give a well- reasoned, sound argument for why you originally didn't think Superman was a good hero and why maybe Man of Steel has changed your mind. Man of Steel has uh, changed my mind a little bit because of the approach it took. Um, and we won't get into spoilers here, but as we talked about on our, our review, you know, just like all of the Nolan Batman movies, this movie kind of had a theme, uh, and it was really the development of an icon, the development of this idealistic hero. And what occurred to me as I was watching this is that you almost really can't compare Batman and Superman because Superman's really more of an archetypal character, mm -hmm. and whereas Batman is more of the nitty-gritty, shades-of-gray type character. And once that clicked in my mind as I was sitting there watching Man of Steel, uh, it's not like Superman all of a sudden became my favorite hero or anything, but it, I suddenly understood it because I think that you have to look at archetypal characters differently than Shades of Grey characters. It's like comparing the characters in Lord of the Rings, which are all very archetypal, to characters in something like Game of Thrones, where they're all Shades of Grey. You know, the, they're just two different approaches to characterization. Hmm. 
You know, I just remembered when you said that thing about Batman, it reminded me. I, I did want to come back to something real quick at the intro here. I think Superman might be best done as a team with Batman. Like, in my experience, I love them together. I don't always like Superman alone. So would you like to see a Batman-Superman team-up movie? Well, Rick, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Ben knows. Uh, I've This is my guess. I don't think they're going to jump to Justice League. I, I believe they'll do Man of Steel 2. I think they maybe will possibly do one other hero movie. But I think before they do Justice League, we're going to see Man of Steel-Batman team-up movie. Yeah, I I don't know. I I would kind of like to see that if if Nolan you know had a hand in it again. I I trust him, uh, and I I definitely could see his influence on the new film as well. Uh, I this is maybe the second uh, Zack Snyder movie that I've actually enjoyed. You know, I've I've always thought he was an amazing at visuals and things, but a pretty lousy storyteller. I agree. Uh, this is my first movie I've liked by him. Yeah. Three hundred? No, I haven't seen three hundred. Which one were you going to say, Rick? Uh, believe it or not, I kind of enjoyed. Uh, I think it might have been his first movie, Dawn of the Dead. It was a remake, sort of, uh, based off the zombie movies, you know, the old ones. And and even that's not a perfect movie, but it. Um, w- when I saw it, I I thought, hey, this this guy may have some potential for future stuff. And then everything I saw after that, with the exception of maybe three hundred, which was kind of interesting. I, again, I just thought. I've always thought about Zack Snyder, visually interesting, kind of lousy stories, you know, and and uh, this movie, I just felt like Goyer, who also makes some pretty lousy movies, <laughs> movie scripts, whenever he works with Nolan or has some sort of influence, they're pretty excellent, you know, and so, uh, you know, Superman, just like any other character, I, I really don't know if it's the character as much as who's writing it. Um, you know, like, cause there's some pretty, pretty terrible, you know, Superman stories throughout the years, but I, I feel like given the hands of, of a, a good writer, you know, right now, a good instance of that is my favorite comic to read right now is Aquaman. And, uh, and will be excited to hear yeah, that. if you would have asked me that a couple of years ago, I'd been like, I'd, I'd never pick up Aquaman, but Jeff Johns just did something with the character that reinvigorated it and, and a totally different take. And I think the same is true with Superman. And so I, I wouldn't want to see a Superman Batman movie or Justice League unless it was handled by, uh, somebody that I trusted, like probably Nolan. Well, you know, if if Matt Anderson, if you are anxious to see Batman and Superman on screen together, you don't have to wait. What do you mean? Uh, Blaster.com had a story this morning that uh, Batman is making an appearance in the soon-to-be-released porn parody of Man of Steel, which, believe it or not, is also called Man of Steel. Interesting. Interesting. So uh, you can always check that out. All right. Or don't. Um, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Rick, I, I'll, I be on the, uh, I'll be on the side of not checking that out. <laughs> I think I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, none of us are going to be checking that out, just for the record. Uh, Rick, you just finished or are in the middle of a huge book about Superman. What was that title? Uh, the book, it's it's a really interesting book. I finished it a couple weeks ago. Uh, Superman, the Unauthorized Biography by Glenn Weldon. And so what was the idea behind that? Well, I, at first I thought, you know, are they trying to, you know, maybe tell – a biography you know like the character is telling it from his view or something and it wasn't that at all it actually the reason i found it so interesting 
is it traces the character's roots, starting with the creator and kind of uh, different things that have always been true about the character that have stayed intact um, and, and kind of traced it through our history of as a country, uh, starting from 1938 and, and things that were uh, happening in that day and time through various wars that happened, how the character um, developed and, and took on different things, different symbolism and meanings. Um, everything from, you know, like him, he, he didn't start out for quite a while. He couldn't fly. He didn't have, you know, the x-ray vision or the, in, any of the, most of the stuff you see in movies now or in comics. Uh, and just the way that the character had evolved. And, uh, I, I knew a lot of it because I've, I've read, you know, quite a bit before just cause I kind of enjoy that kind of history stuff, but it really was very informative. I believe Glenn Weldon actually is, uh, a part of a show, um, I think it's called Pop Culture Pop Culture Happy Hour on NPR, uh, which he, so he's a he's a pretty educated guy, but he's he's got a good sense of humor as well. But yeah, so. you had said you know speaking of kind of going through the history of America with Superman, I know that uh, off the air you had mentioned there was some kind of crazy things happening. With uh, or during World War II and with the government, uh, what was that about? Well, that was one of the most fascinating things about the book to me. Just to give you a, a quick little synopsis, uh, 1938. This is actually the 75th anniversary. Actually, June uh, of 1938 was when Superman made his first appearance. So I, I think that's why they pushed the movie back from Christmas of 2012 to June of this year. Um, and it's so it's a big time right now for for Superman fans. 75 years that they're celebrating. Um, so he starts out, you know, as this character that he, he can't fly or anything. He, he literally is fast and he can jump. They, they refer to him as jumping around like a flea. Um, he looks like a circus acrobat, you know, which is kind of a fantastical, uh, looking, which, which is where he gets his underwear on the outside from, you know, if you look at, at circus people and, and acrobats and stuff, it's kind of the outfit they wore. So they kind of. Strongman, right? Like the circus strongman. Yeah, circus strongman is kind of where he came from. Uh, but he just he gained popularity. He, he initially was a villain. Actually, he he initially appeared in a comic um, in I believe it was somewhere around earlier in the 30s, maybe 1933 or something, called the Reign of the Superman. And he looked a lot more like Lex Luthor. He was bald. Um, and he had like telepathic powers and he was just this villain and they decided later on when that flopped and nobody really cared that they would try him as a, uh, as a hero and that also flopped pretty bad. They, they couldn't seem to find anybody that wanted to pick it up and when it finally was picked up for some reason, um, it, it just hit something with the country and it just became really popular. So going up, you know, a, a few decades, you know, up, up through, um, World War II, not even a few decades, um, you, you have, uh, Superman being, I think they said something like, I may have this number wrong. I can't remember, but something like 50% of all the Superman or action comics that were being published were going straight to the military. Um, it was so popular in, in, in the military and those who were actually actively fighting in World War II. Um, and I, I don't know if it was because of the escapism or what it was, but they just, you know, the soldiers just ate it up. And uh, that's also why those comics of that era are so valuable because very few of them survived, and especially the recycling and everything that they tried to do in that time. So they're very valuable. But one thing I found very interesting was, of course, you know, we ended the war by dropping the atomic bombs. And um, right around that time, 
Um, of course, our government was kind of looking into everything, and since so many soldiers were actively reading the comics, um, they were just about to publish a storyline where Lex Luthor, the villain, um, of, of course, that we all know now, um, he was developing an atomic weapon, a bomb, uh, the exact same thing that we were developing and then we're going to drop. So the U.S. government came in and basically told DC Comics, um, you are not allowed to publish this. Um, the villain cannot be seen as the person who drops the atomic bomb on innocent people. Um, so they agreed to shelve it, and they ended up publishing it later on, but it was sort of this interesting thing that the U.S. government walked in and said, no, uh, we're going to do exactly that thing Lex Luthor is going to do, so we can't have doubt in anybody's mind that we would be doing something wrong by dropping a bomb on innocent people. Um, so it was very interesting and that, that Superman had that kind of power at that time, so to speak, or that kind of influence. They didn't want any sort of objection, you know, any sort of morale to fall in the troops. So I just found that to be very fascinating that um, it was that widely read that it would even have that kind of influence that the government would step in to stop stories. Yeah, so that's funny. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you had said, uh, oh, I, you know, as you've been looking through this, you kind of have it developed in your mind or maybe on paper kind of pros and cons of Superman as a character. I'm interested oh. to hear those as we as we start out the conversation just to set the stage. Well, you know, my, my pros and cons are a lot more probably fleshed out through what I saw in the movie um, and in Man of Steel. Right. And, right, let's hold off on that then. But yeah. What, what about in real life? Just give us some, I mean, just off the cuff. Well, I could still... He's not, he's not a real-life character, Matt. I mean, in... <laughs> well, I uh, didn't... Just in general, I should say. I can from tell you some from your personal interaction. I can tell you some of those things too. I honestly, it's it's one of the things that I love, but I find the silliest at the same time is uh, is flight. Um, you know, when he was initially developed as a hero, um, he was sort of the um, he was kind of a bully to bullies, if that makes any sense. It was yeah. sort of like you know people who were slum lords, people who were taking advantage of people. Um, he couldn't fly. He was. He had a lot more. Um, he seemed a lot more earthy. Let's put it that way. Um, so he didn't have like, um, you know, flying, which I think is amazing. And I, I think all of us would, you know, that would probably, if we were asked to say what superpower we'd like to have, probably it would be like, yeah, we'd fly. You know, <laughs> that would be an interesting thing. But when you think about it, it's it's kind of like maybe Stan Lee was one of the first people I ever heard bring this out. Like what? how does he propel himself, you know, <laughs> like, like there's, there's, if he can even float, how does he move? You know, <laughs> like it just you doesn't know, make Stanley really shouldn't be one to talk because as we've chronicled through <laughs> numerous Stanley quotes of the week, this man does not have a great grasp on logic and reality. That's, so that's he, actually he made a valid point, but <laughs> well, <laughs> and, he's and, talk. and that is true. I mean, take Stanley for, for what he is, but that was just a point I heard him make. And as I thought about it, I thought, huh, that is kind of true. Like, how does he? And, you know, you see in the film, uh, just, you know, amazing how he speeds up and it's like he breaks the sound barrier and stuff. Um, but you kind of go in, in real life, you're like, you know, even if a man could fly, I'm not sure that that would even. Everybody keeps saying how grounded in reality this new Man of Steel movie is. And I keep thinking, <laughs> I, I'm like, how is this grounded in reality? I don't, <laughs> I don't understand that at all. Um, but, you know, a, another thing is, is like, um, I think you see it best, like if you look at the old George Reeve, uh, George Reeves television show, um, the idea of Superman, when you actually see him in real life, 
it is pretty ridiculous, you know, especially in in that era. And you see what he's wearing, and you're like, this this wouldn't really be something that would strike fear into the hearts of evildoers, you know? Yeah. <laughs> a, a guy with his big red undies pulled, you know, granny panties on the outside of his, uh, you know, pulled <laughs> up. And it's it's kind of a, I mean, there's, there's a lot to kind of poke fun of with Superman, too. You know, the thing I've been wondering about lately, because Matt and I just played this, uh, I guess we haven't released that episode yet, but we just played the video game Injustice, mm-hmm. which is based on the DC universe. Mm-hmm. And uh, in some of the Superman's moves in the fighting game, you see him fly out through the atmosphere. And uh, I've just been wondering, how is he not naked every time he does that? I mean, I get he's invulnerable, but <laughs> his clothes aren't. You feel like his yeah. clothes are burned off. Well, yeah, if you drop uh, uh, any type of fabric through the atmosphere, it's going to burn up. That's so, right. Yes. I, I mean, that would, that would be a rather horrible. Uh, well, I'm one of That would be certainly friendly. Maybe it will <laughs> turn up at the other Man of Steel movie. And and one of the most awful things about, you know, like Superman 4, the Christopher Reeve movie, uh, was, you know, towards the end of the movie, you have the nuclear man kidnapping one of the, the female characters, played by Mariel Hemingway, and and flies her into outer space. And, <laughs> and, yeah. and she's still breathing, and <laughs> she's not burned up by the atmosphere, like you said, and you're like... Wait a second. Is she really like just in outer space, just breathing into <laughs> whatever? So I totally, 80s. totally agree. This yeah. part was so stupid. It was crazy. And, hey. Oh, go ahead. Um, but you, you'd asked me some pros too, and and this is maybe one of the things that that I I've always loved about the character. Um, but I a lot of people find this as a criticism, and I'm I'm never sure quite why it's a criticism, but. Um, the Superman seems to be one that does the right thing, you know, and, and at least at least struggles with it and tries to. And uh, there, there's two things that um, the author of the book I just mentioned, uh, Glenn Walden, brought out that, that said there's two things about Superman that if these components don't exist, we don't recognize him as Superman. And the first thing was that he always looks out for others before himself, uh, almost um, in the sense of an agape love that we see in scripture that actually in spite of who another person is um even villains um he you know we always see in the comics superman is so powerful that he will not hit a villain with the full force that he has because for fear of actually causing them irreparable damage like he has to hold back and and i always found that very interesting and that's why there's a lot of christ comparisons about him too is because even the villains, he's trying not to um, in, inflict too much, you know, harm. He just wants to stop them, but not go beyond unnecessary force. But the second thing that they say about him is he never gives up. Um, so those are those are a couple things that I really like about the character, and I find very admirable. And and now that I'm a father, I you know, I as much as I love like television shows like The Shield and things like that, which which have these anti heroes. I, I was telling a friend the other day, said, I really would like to have some actual just real heroes, you know, people who are virtuous and good that I can, like, point my son to and say, you know, here's an example of, of good character. And so I, I feel like Superman is kind of an example of that. So I, I feel like you're making a great point because one of the main criticisms of Superman is that he's a Boy Scout, that he always does the right thing. He's too much goody-goody. And you're right. There's There might be something a little bit wrong with us if – we don't like somebody because he's too good. Well, I think it goes back to a, you know kind of what we were talking about earlier that um, 
we're in an era that doesn't appreciate archetypal fiction very much. And uh, I think that, you know, I, I think when, when as a culture, we lack an appreciation for either archetypal fiction or the more gray characters, the anti-heroes, both of them have something important to say to us about the human condition, uh, whether it's the human condition as it is, especially apart from God, or the human condition as it's meant to be. Um, and I think we need to have a healthy appreciation for both those types of characters. So, but I've heard both of us both yeah, yeah. say I'm, this I'm, about. I'm correcting myself. Okay, so you are saying that you are wrong that this isn't a fair. Well, criticism. I don't want to say I'm wrong because I don't like to say that. But that's uh, not. But would you say that that's not a fair criticism of Superman as a character? Yeah, I, I think it's it comes from looking at him uh, as evalu- trying to evaluate him as a, the type of character that he is not. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. And, and I, I would add to that too that that is actually something that kind of evolved in the character of Superman. Uh, you know, in the beginning, he was just like Batman. In the beginning, they they killed their villains. Uh, Superman carried a gun. Reading the early issues of Detective Comics, almost every issue, Batman ends up killing the villain. Or, um, or, or if he doesn't kill them, he's like, well, I'm not going to do anything to stop them from dying. And somewhere along the way, it kind of developed into both of them that we just don't kill no matter what, you know, and, and if there's any way possible, uh, which is actually going to be, you know, maybe something we can talk about with the new man still movie, uh, mm-hmm. because Mark Wade, who is a really terrific author, has written some of the best Superman stories and still writing amazing stuff. He's writing daredevil for Marvel right now. And, uh, I, I met him actually. And, found him to be just a very super nice guy plus we look a lot alike so <laughs> uh but he is extremely critical of this new film for some ways that he feels like they they changed the character but anyway sorry continue i feel like i'm doing all the talking here. hey i, I, no, okay. I, I kind of want to speak to what you just said how, uh, ways they change the character right, so we're gonna move into spoilers pretty quick no no no, 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 no don't worry that's not what i'm just waiting here where i'm going with this so okay. uh i'm not talking about man of steel in general but uh almost I'm not going to say every comic movie, but in many comic movies, another common complaint is they change it from the source material. They change something in Iron Man's story from the source material or Captain America or Superman. Do you think that that is a fair criticism in the sense that films are different mediums and they have to they're taking from so many years of story to try to just present something to a new audience? So I'll I'll put this one to Ben first and then Rick, you can add on. I think you kind of have to take it case by case almost. It depends on what the change is, you know, and like, for example, you could complain about things in, in Batman, you could complain. And I think people were before the dark Knight came out and everybody just, you know, was enamored with it after it came out. But before it came out, there was people complaining that the Joker doesn't wear makeup. His skin is white and everything Mm -hmm. like that. And I think some of that's kind of ridiculous. I think it goes more to, um, is the essence of the character captured. Uh, so leave aside the accidentals, the superficials, and uh, focus on the essence of the character. If that gets translated, you're good to go. Yeah. Rick? Well, and I think that's true. I'm, I'm, I'm actually don't care a lot if they change some things for the sake of the story because comics really are just – they're a visual medium and they're completely different. You know, Initially, they were written – for children so they're they're pretty fantastical and, and you, you would see some weird things on screen that just our minds wouldn't be able to process we, if we saw it 
for real, we would think, oh my gosh, this is the dumbest thing ever. How do people like this? But for some reason, when it's drawn, um, it's, it's a completely different feel, uh, sort of like a lot of sci-fi stuff. You would have that. But again, I, I think like what Ben said, if you're changing the character in, in drastic, drastic ways, they change like quite a lot in every film. Um, but it's only when they really veer from, the character of the person like you could take superman i think i heard somebody discussing this um recently and they said you know if you um in the book they're actually talking about the superman films that were almost made like by tim burton and nicholas cage was going to be superman yes. and uh, he was going to have a suit that like you could see through somehow and see his intestines um like <laughs> it was going to be like when he put the suit on for some reason he was transparent in that way and he, I, there was different drafts he wasn't going to be able to fly and he was going to be super fast and then there's another draft where uh, just just crazy stuff and and I heard that's one of those great movies that I wish had been made. I know it would have been, it would not have been good. But train wrecks are always entertaining, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> often. Yeah. They often are. Yeah. But the, the other side of that is like you know, if you were going to take a character like Superman, and just change everything just to be culturally relevant, you know, and it, it would it would ruin the character. I mean, you could come out and say, well. Instead of Krypton, Superman is from underground. There's like this underground city in the Earth, you know, and he's he's going to come up and he's going to be, um, he's going to be gay and he's going to be, um, a, 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 you know, Afro-American and be from the slums and uh, have a real disdain for farmers. You know, I mean, it would be, it would just like change everything about who the character was, you know, and and you might want to tell a story about a person like that. But that's not who he is, you know. <laughs> Rick, Rick, do you ever read uh, Newman's Theory of Developments? I do not think so. So John Henry Newman's essay on the development of Christian doctrine, and he lays out different ways that doctrine can develop faithfully or doctrine can develop uh, and be corrupted. And so he has different tests to apply to determine if the development is faithful. I wonder if we could adapt that to like a comic book version so all the different iterations of the character we can apply some sort of modified form you of should Newman's create that let's do yeah. that let's not make that a thing <laughs> yeah. okay. ben's in charge of that uh that's my next that's my next book <laughs> right, right all right so ben i'm gonna ask you a question but uh rick i want you to be thinking about maybe some of your favorite superman storylines over the years while i ask ben this question ben i want to hear from you a con about superman in general Oh, the glasses. I mean, let's just start right there. The glass, and, uh, I don't know, is it spoilers to say that we see the glasses in the new movie? Uh, no. I don't think that's, I don't think that's a spoiler. You just expect yeah. that with Superman. So. That was unfortunate that they, they decided to retain that, that aspect of the character because it's just ridiculous. I mean, come on. Did anybody ever really buy this that, especially as somebody like Lois Lane who, you know, sees Superman as Superman, like not on TV, but right up close in person and then works with Clark Kent and can't figure out that uh, the two are the same. I mean, it almost borders on misogynism. If you think about it, that she would be that dumb to not be able to figure it out. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, uh, I, I Wait. Oh, uh, now Ben. I want, oh, sorry. I, if Rick, if you want to add on to the glasses thing, that's we'll let you do that. But I, I want Ben to be come up with a good thing too. So think about a good thing. Go ahead, Rick. Um. Yeah. L let me just add one other thing to our what we were talking about just before that, and then I'll go into the storyline thing. I was gonna say it's interesting that 
that people complain when a film changes who Superman is or television or whatever, because that's the way, especially after reading this book, that's the way it's been from the beginning. You know, Superman didn't fly till the radio show. Kryptonite didn't happen till the radio show. Uh, Jimmy Olsen didn't happen till the radio show. Um, you know, Lois Lane was like a secretary. It was, you know, it was all kinds of different things. And film... oh the Newman thing is actually going to work. Cause that's like his exact argument about doctrine is that it's what always is it? been developing. Yeah. It's always, it's and so, <laughs> Rick, should we team up and write uh, Newman's theory of yeah, comic development or something? I think so. That's book number two for sure. But uh, uh, so that that's just an interesting thing to me. And we always get all this ire whenever you know a new movie comes out and changes something, and it's kind of like, well, that's kind of always how it's been. You know, it, it's always been changing the character. And and my argument too is like, you know, your your character still exists. It's not like anybody has taken and gotten rid of all the old stories you can go back and read them but you know this is kind of another person's imagination and and recently paul jenkins you guys should look this up by the way paul jenkins who is a writer for dc and marvel has left both of them and he kind of wrote this little letter about why he will never work most likely for dc or marvel again because everything they do is mandated by the movie companies now basically and and they want to say it's not but their their hands are tied in actually developing stories and uh, I, you know, I mentioned Mark Wade a few minutes ago. Um, Mark Wade, I think for for Boom Studios, wrote a storyline called Irredeemable, and uh, it, it was incredibly interesting because it was almost this. The scenario was like, uh, what if Superman was a villain? Uh, and instead of using his power for good, started doing genocide on the planet, almost like you see with General Zod, you know, in the film. And the the entire storyline is written from, you know, just being free to actually tell a story with the character that's different that DC would never allow, you know. And and it's it's kind of an interesting thing. But um, but anyway, get getting into actual storylines. Um, I I have always enjoyed. Um, John Burns reboot back in the 80s, The Man of Steel. It was like a, I think it was a six part miniseries. And, uh, they, they kind of just recreated who Superman was again, you know, at that point. There have been various reboots throughout. Uh, but there was something about just the way that John Byrne, um, wrote that story. It was initially, I think, just supposed to be a six issue thing, but it ended up, it was so popular, it, it became continuity. And then, like, for the next couple of years, every Superman, like, action, I think, and then they started one called Superman Man of Steel that was a regular monthly line, and then they, you know, still on Adventures of Superman or whatever. Every story was, like, drawn and written by John Byrne. <laughs> and those are entertaining to read because um, he, he had an incredible amount of stories come out in that time. Some of them are just horrible, but some of them are really good. But the, the amount of work that he created is impressive. Um, an example of one of the worst storylines was this, uh, this villain named Sleaze, believe it or not, who came back and was going to force Superman to be in like this superhero porno. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which, which has now come to life. Uh, you know, we're hearing about Are you real that that's a real story. That's a real story. I actually have the copies of it. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, he's prophetic. It's, it's a uh, little more tame than what I just described. It's basically that by the this alien named Sleaze. Uh, so it's one of, one of the things that John Byrne kind of, it was like, boy, he jumped that. the shark. So John Byrne, he wrote during the post-crisis era. So I think when you're talking about how he 
redid some of uh, Superman's storyline. It was because it was, you know, the crisis on Infinite Earths that just happened, and so they were open to a new world now. Yeah. And you know what? One of my favorite stories of all time, um, and and I, I know a lot of people probably don't like this story, but it was like where I stopped collecting comics too, <laughs> uh, was the death of Superman. And I, I was in high school and I was learning how to play guitar and I had to make a choice between like buying comic books and buying guitar stuff. And, uh, I, guitar won, thankfully, because I've, I've made a lot more money through the years with guitar than I have with comic books. That's how you make your living. I, I that was a good choice. <laughs> yeah, nice yeah for sure. But that, that was kind of like the end of my comic collecting for that period. Um, but you know, you want to talk about sort of a, a character that a storyline that brought out a lot of Christ figure things and someone giving himself for others. Um, that storyline as it kept progressing, you went from having um, just kind of regular size panels in the issues. The next issue, the panels would get bigger and there would be fewer of them. And then like the the next to the last issue before he died, it would be two panels on every page of the book. And and it was something was so subtle you didn't even notice it. But like the last issue, Death of Superman, the entire book, every page is a full page spread of just these amazing like action scenes and um it's it's i i think i really like it just because i actually got a little teary re- rereading it recently because and and i know you can laugh at me or whatever but there's something about the way that he's portrayed in that book as so self-sacrificial um for others and you you do get like in some in the movie there's a there's a scene that looks like it's straight out of that comic with Superman and Doomsday fighting that they've recreated with Superman and Zod, where the buildings are collapsing from the power of their punches and everything, and um, and it's like truly, if if he doesn't give himself for this, everybody on Earth is done for. So that's one of my favorite storylines. But yeah. yeah, that actually in my childhood, I think I was, I can't remember exactly what year Death of Superman. Do you happen to know that what year that was from? Uh, gosh, I want to say it was early nineties. I could probably look that up, but I indie. Two, ninety-two, ninety-three. All right, ninety-two. I was ten, and I did buy the the issue where he actually died. So that's one of the only Superman comics I've ever purchased. Yeah. But yeah, I've never actually read the whole storyline. So you would actually recommend the whole thing? Yeah, I I liked it a lot, and and again, a lot of people have mixed views on it. I don't I don't at all like the way they brought him back later, and I, and you know it went into the nineties, and the nineties are kind of a just a, a big pit for stories that, you know, kind of like story creators became um, put on the back burner to artists and artists started kind of running everything in the 90s, both DC and Marvel and the market collapsed. And so you, you just got the 90s. I almost wouldn't read anything from the 90s. They're <laughs> just terrible comics all the way through. All, but all so, my favorite storylines are from the 90s because that's when I was at, <laughs> that I was reading as a kid. And so now I love this stuff. Yeah, you love those clone saga. Yeah, clone saga. Which you often uh-huh. put out the, some of the worst comics ever it's, written. I know. Almost, it's almost universally agreed upon that it's bad. But I like it. Well, I kind of liked how they brought back Superman because for those that don't know, four different people came back and said that they were Superman. And so it was an ongoing mystery, which of these characters is the real Superman. And if it hadn't if it hadn't been for that, we wouldn't have got that wonderful masterpiece called Steel of a movie starring Shaquille O'Neal uh, yeah, as Steel, which has got to be one of the worst things. If you want to talk about something funny to watch, the whole movie is on YouTube. 
And uh, I haven't seen it. Do they actually tie into the Superman universe with it? Not at all. Like it's it's supposed to be, but you know that's where they got the character from was that storyline. One of the characters that came back and claimed he was Superman, but it's it's just uh, some of the worst story writing you've ever seen. That may have actually been written by Goyer too. I I, <laughs> I can't remember right now, but they've been. David yeah, Goyer, who really good or really really bad. Yeah, it seems like when he's with Nolan, he's great. When he's not, it's like you just you get Ghost Rider, you know. <laughs> so. Yeah. I've been researching some of the best storylines. I haven't read a lot of these, but I just wanted to check out and see who, who like which uh, writer, which storyline do people tend to like? Uh, a- uh, Alan Moore, who we've talked about a lot in this show. Oh yeah. Wrote Man of Tomorrow. I have not read it. Have you, Rick? Whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow is supposed yeah. to be the the final Superman story, and that was that was kind of like leading into that Byrne era that I was talking about, John Byrne. Uh, yeah, and it's it's really interesting. Um, I, I I like his his work a lot. Um, I think Alan Moore uh, is is a pretty intriguing author. Even The Watchmen was kind of a different take for its day. Um, and uh, and he wrote a couple stories of DC Comics Presents. The one that he did of Superman meeting Swamp Thing, I know it sounds probably terrible, but his take on it is really worth reading. Very very interesting and enlightening, and you know, like almost everything Alan Moore right? I, I want to say maybe not almost everything, but a lot that Alan Moore has written, really thought provoking stuff. So I purchased and haven't read, but loaned to Ben DeBono a Elseworld story called Red Sun. Have you heard of or read Red Sun? And if so, don't spoil me if you have read it. Okay, um, I have not read it, but I I know kind of the the gist of it. Yeah. Ben, have you finished it yet? Or are you? I have not. Have you opened it yet? I have not. I'll so, do that this week. No, no big deal. I'm not, I'm in no hurry necessarily, but I wanted to purchase it because I like what if stories, and and this one. Superman does not crash in Kansas. He crashes in Russia. Oops. During the Cold War. So, yeah, seems pretty interesting. Uh, what are some other ones that you've heard of, Ben? And don't forget, I did ask you what to give us a pro. For I've Superman. been given lots of pros. Like what? I said he was a great archetypal character. What else? That's not lots. That's, that's lots. All right, give us one There's more. lots of stuff in one there. One more good thing about Superman, Ben. Oh, man. I don't know. <laughs> he, uh, I enjoy watching him get beat up by Batman. Do you like all of his powers? Do you think he has too many powers? I think he probably has too many powers. He did not... Uh, well, I was almost going to be a spoiler to the movie. Uh, but without... We should get to the movie soon so we can yeah. start all right. spoiling. Yeah, I mean, I think we can still talk more about the Superman aspects yeah. while we talk I, full spoiler. But, yeah, Rick, what were you going to say? I was just going to say maybe one last storyline I think people should check out if you're interested in Superman. This is a more modern take, but it's by Grant Morrison, who uh, I either love or else I just cannot understand at all what he's talking about. <laughs> um, and, and his recent stuff in Action Comics, I just didn't care for at all. I didn't – it just was nonsense to me. Um, but if you read a, the, his line called All Star Superman, they even made a DC animated movie out of it. Uh, hi, a highly recommended thing. It's out of continuity, 
Um, but it's another one of these, like, uh, fr- from the start, you find out that Superman is dying, and it's sort of like several issues about, you know, what he's going to do with his last days and how he's going to react in this time. And and uh, it, it truly shows, you know, this character is at his best. It won an Eisner Award, which is kind of like the Academy Awards of comic books. But, yeah, if you get a chance to check out All-Star Superman. Yeah, I've I heard that one's very good. I've, I've heard that's good, too, and I think it's becoming uh, apparent that if you have a story out of continuity, you have more freedom to write a good story, and those end up being the best stories. So whatever happened to The Man of Tomorrow, outside of continuity, as far as I know, uh, Red Sun, which I've heard a lot about, outside of continuity, obviously, All-Star Superman. Even take Injustice, the storyline in that. Yeah, yeah. Injustice. That's going to do it for this half of that uh, conversation that I had with Ben and Matt at the Sci-Fi Christian Podcast. I do want to encourage you all to check out their podcast. It's one of the best in the online universe, I have to say. They have lots of great discussions. Look early, especially. One of my favorite conversations I ever heard them have was uh, their conversation about uh, C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. But uh, you can go over, check out their podcast page at the Sci-Fi Christian Podcast, and uh, just enjoy it. They, they do uh, great conversations every week, and uh, that's going to be it for now. You can hear the rest. We got a little bit spoilery next week, a lot a bit spoilery, actually. So if you haven't seen Man of Steel, you might want to wait. Uh, and watch that first before you listen to part two especially uh, but the rest of our interview is going to be in next week's podcast episode number 75 which is very appropriate because this is the 75th anniversary of superman all right thanks for listening to voices in my head god bless you've been listening to voices in my head the official podcast of rick lee james If you'd like to know more about me, my ministry, my music, my life, go to my website at rickleejames.com. And I'd love this to be a community experience, so if you call 937-505-0162, you can leave feedback, you can give me suggestions for future shows, you can even record comments that I can play on the next podcast. So let's make this something really great together. 937-505-0162. Thank you so much for listening to Voices in my head, the official Rick Lee James podcast. God bless.